Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible on how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am Kelly, your host, and today joining me, instead of my friend and faithful sidekick, Chelsea, I have my husband, Ryan. Ryan, welcome back behind the microphone. Well, thank you for having me back again. You know how much I love being you on the podcast. You do love being on the podcast. All right, so today I have Ryan on because we're going to be talking about Apple's annual Worldwide Developer Conference that happens this past week and the announcements they made, specifically the Apple Vision Pro, their new mixed reality headset. So I asked Ryan to come on so we could have a dialogue about it because I think that perhaps maybe like you, um, like us in our marriage, there's a little bit different perspectives, shall we say, about new technologies and whether they are good or bad or neutral. And so what happened is on Tuesday, the day after the conference, Ryan sat me down and had me watch the Apple Vision Pro promo video that they showed at the conference. So as I'm sitting there watching this, I look over at him halfway through. I'm deeply concerned. And his face is just full of delight. I knew he thought this was the coolest piece of technology ever. Meanwhile, I'm internally freaking out for the future of society. So I shared that story with a coworker and she had a similar type of conversation with her husband, where she was kind of like, oh, I don't know. And her husband was like, but it's the coolest thing ever. So I thought, you know what, there could be a lot of marriages where maybe the wives, or maybe it's vice versa, maybe don't appreciate the technology aspect for what it is. And so I thought, let's just have a dialogue and talk through. So you kind of get insight to some of the conversation that Ryan and I have when we talk about how this looks for the individual, how this looks for society, families, what are the implications? So that's what we're going to do today. But I feel like, Ryan, our listeners need a little bit of background. So you grew up alongside advancing technology. And I think that goes to a lot of why many couples have one person who really likes technology, really gets into technology, and another person who may not get into technology as much. It depends on how you grew up. Did you grow up immersed in technology or did you grow up and technology was there, but it wasn't a key focus in your life. So for me, growing up, technology was always a key focus in our lives. My father, he had his own computer hardware and software company since he was an electrical engineer by training, manufacturing hardware and software products. So at a very young age, I was working for him. In middle school, I was building circuit boards. In high school, I was building circuit boards and testing circuit boards and building computers and just being fully immersed in that environment. We had computers at home in the 80s. We had laptops at home. We had all the gaming platforms when they came out. We modified those gaming platforms with the technology we had. So we've always been very much into technology. Meanwhile, here's Kelly over in the Midwest. I graduated high school in 1996 and went off to college with an electric typewriter. I had only seen a computer in high school when I took a typing class. And at this point, Ryan had already built computers and was on the internet. I mean, 
So you can see very, very big differences. And if you've read my book, you already know the story that he bought me a laptop, my very first computer, and I spilled iced tea on it and accidentally ruined it. And he still married me. So <laughs> there's all of that. So there's a little bit of our backgrounds why I probably don't have an appreciation so much for the development and how just incredible it is, I guess is maybe the right word, that, that we have come so far and developed so much to such an extent. To me, I look at it as though, hmm, what, what are the implications for children? What are the implications for couples, for families, for all of society? So, okay, Ryan, give us the background of what this reality, this new headset is in comparison to what else is already out there. Apple Vision Pro is really the next generation of virtual reality headsets. But Apple doesn't even want you calling it a virtual reality headset or an augmented reality headset because they've designed it to be so much more. So the terminology that Apple is using is spatial computing or mixed computing because it does so much more than just virtual reality or augmented reality. But in order to understand what that is, we should probably explain those terms first for those who may not be completely familiar with them. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So virtual reality, you've, you may have seen these. These are definitely much more common. So your virtual reality headsets are the headsets that you wear on your head, over your eyes, like the uh, Oculus by Facebook, where it has a screen on it. It completely blocks out your vision. And what you see through this headset is completely virtual. That's where you would enter the metaverse. Yeah. Correct, right. You'd wear the, the Oculus, you'd put it on, and you enter this metaverse of, okay. But you're not seeing anything around you. You don't see the room around you. You don't see the furniture around you. You don't see people around you. You're completely immersed in that digital environment. Now, our augmented reality, that's very different because augmented reality, and there's a couple of products out there. The most notable ones were Google Glass. That was about 10 years ago. And um, Spectacles by Snapchat, which came out a handful of years ago, I believe. I'd say about five years ago, I think about it five, was. Yeah, about five years ago. And what those are is those are a device that you wear, whether they be glasses or spectacles, as Snapchat calls them, that augment what you see. They have cameras on them. They have microphones on them. And they can project things onto the lens. So like Google Glass, it could project the weather forecast or the, the time onto the lens itself. So it's not a virtual environment. You're actually seeing the environment around you. You see your room. You see people. You see everything that's going on, but it's augmenting it with digital information as well. Unlike virtual reality, where it's all 100% fake. Now, what Apple's created, they're calling and they're calling spatial computing or this mixed computing or this mixed reality is trying to combine both of those items together. And really, I think it's very much a kind of a blended reality is another way you could call it, where it really does so much more. And it's kind of hard to explain how much it can actually well, do. Well, we are definitely going to link the video that you can watch that Apple 
the promo video that I watched that you showed me. We're going to link that in the show notes. So it may be helpful at this point if you're like, yeah, I need to see this for myself if I'm going to listen on. You can definitely go and watch that to kind of get an idea of all of the features that it's offering. Just to kind of put it out there, what it is, it's like an Oculus, like a virtual reality headset that you put on your head that completely blocks out the outside environment. So if it's not turned on and it's on your head, you cannot see anything. But once you turn it on, it actually projects to you on the screens for the glasses, everything that's around you. So it looks like it is a augmented reality because you're seeing everything around you. But the reality is you're not looking at any of those things. You're actually looking at two screens, one in front of each eye. And everything around is taken in from the cameras that are on the outside of these goggles and then projected on the inside. And for those of you who haven't seen the video or don't know what they look like, the best way to describe them is they look like a pair of ski goggles. Ski goggles, yes. You look like you're getting ready to go skiing in Colorado or something when you put these things on. Now, to note, several um, of the news journalists who got to try it out said that, what, you said it weighs about a pound? They all said that it feels okay comfortably when you first put it on, but then after about 30 minutes, you really start to feel the weight yes. on your face. Yes, and... Well, you could use it for a couple of hours, but you might start to realize you have them on after that time. But there's so much packed into these. So they they are a headset that looks like a pair of ski goggles that you wear on your head that is bringing in all this information to you. A little bit about it is how it does that. These goggles have 12 cameras that are both facing in towards your eyes as well as out into the environment in order to be able to take that information that's in the room and project it to you. It's got five sensors on it, including a LiDAR sensor and spatial sensors in order to be able to tell how far things are away from you and to identify things in the room. So these goggles can actually identify people and be able to tell when they're moving around, how far they're moving, how close they are to you. And it has six microphones to be able to gather all of that information as well from your environment. It uses all of that to project what feels like an actual real environment onto the two 4K screens, one for each eye. And to really put that into perspective is if you took your smartphone, the best smartphone out there right now, the best Apple smartphone out there right now, and multiplied the resolution of that screen by 64 times, that's what you're looking through through these Apple Vision Pro. Wow. So it looks as close to reality as possible at this point. I think the part that really gets me right off the get-go when we talk about this is that you're still looking at a screen. Although you may be looking out into what is your room, what is your living room or whatever room that it is that you're in and you're seeing some of the windows, furniture, and that. But that is actually the camera's projection onto the screen that your eye is looking at. Yes. So you're not looking through these goggles, if you will, if we call them that, glasses, to see your actual furniture. You're seeing a screen that has an image. Yes. And Apple is actually very specific in the language they use to try and combat that idea. 
because that is a little bit offsetting for most people or off-putting for most people. So Apple has actually declared that, that this is the first device that you don't look at, but you look through. <laughs> Suddenly changing that language, yeah. even though in reality, you are still looking at a screen just because it's showing you what's on the opposite side of that screen doesn't mean you're not still looking at a screen. Yeah, I read in one review, I believe it was in Wired Magazine, and it said, you know, Apple products just take over our physical body. Our phones, you know, sort of take over our hands. Our Apple watches take over our wrists. The AirPods take over our ears. And now this Vision Pro is taking over our, our eyes, our face. Yes, it absolutely and is. that's, see, those type of things, that's what gets me concerned is, how much? I mean, I do love my Apple Watch. I have AirPods. I have an Apple phone. <laughs> so it makes me think, yikes, am I letting it take over my physical body too much? This definitely has the possibility to revolutionize that even further. Because with the Apple Vision Pro, all those devices you listed, you really don't even need anymore. Oh, interesting. You don't need a phone anymore if the glasses can just display your phone screen right in front of your eye. You don't need a watch anymore because you could just set the screen to have a clock in the top corner. So out of the corner of your eye, you always see the time. Or you could set it to, and this isn't a necessarily a feature yet, but I'm sure they're working on these types of features down the road, to where if you just look at your wrist, it projects the image, an augmented reality image of a watch on your wrist. So you feel like you're looking at a watch and it looks like you're looking at a watch, but there's no watch actually there. So you no longer need wow. an Apple watch either. You don't need tablets anymore. You don't need any devices anymore because this takes the place of all of those. So the, smart, the Apple was the first smartphone, right? And it took the place of a lot of things. And so this is pretty much where Apple's going. I'm sure that's probably their goal is this is going to be the end all. Well, for a while, at least the product. Yes, they've, they've invested over a billion dollars into development of these glasses or these, the Vision Pros. So this is something they are definitely betting on. And of course, we're talking definitely multiple versions down the road where this thing becomes lighter on your face it's not like a, a ski goggle that it would actually replace all those things because no one can keep it on all day long i would assume there isn't going to be very many people who are going to wear this thing all day long that number is low but there will be those users who do at this point and it already is possible you just have to uh, deal with the issues that arise with it as far as the weight of it and the battery let's talk about the battery real quick the first thing you told me about the battery was what the the battery is something that I don't think Steve Jobs would have ever allowed to go out on a device. And here's why is you've got this sleek looking ski goggle device that actually is very beautiful mm -hmm. for a computer yeah. device, but then it's got from this cord hanging from it, this battery the size of a phone. That you have to have a back pocket or a pocket for. In order to yeah. power the device because it doesn't do the weight of the batteries. They didn't want to put it on the headset. So it's an external battery that you have to carry around in your pocket. Now, they also have a power connector 
that connects to them that gives you unlimited power. So you could wear these all day, but the batteries themselves, they say the battery life is about two hours. So it's not going to run forever. And if you're playing games and working and watching movies and doing those things all at the same time, then the battery is probably going to last even less time. Yeah. One of the, I took this quote from one of the Wired reviews of it and said, you can tether the Vision Pro to your Mac using a USB-C for nonstop visioning. Visioning. That's the word that I just clung to. And I thought, nonstop visioning. They're taking a word that we have attributed to something like you have a vision, a dream, a goal. And now we're doing this nonstop visioning, but it's not real because a vision isn't real. It's, it's a hope. It's a dream. It's a, a possibility. And so another, I don't know that that word kind of just really stuck out there to me. Well, they probably didn't want to call it a hallucination. So they probably <laughs> went with visioning. Okay. Probably I'll take that. That's probably true. But it probably is more, I would say it's probably more accurate to call it a hallucination than a vision, but they went with visioning because it goes with the Apple Vision Pro, and so that's the language they're using. But again, if you look at the language they're using with this device, they're being very specific because they're trying to distance themselves from all of the other devices that are out there. They're trying to turn this into, again, their spatial computing, the terms they're using, your visioning, working in a mixed reality. Right, all new language. Yes, you're looking through this device, not at this device. They're subtly changing all of the language. So another quote, um, the Wall Street Journal, Joanna Stern, when she did her review on it at the very end, she says this, maybe it was getting the weight off my head. Maybe it was when I finally was able to see again with my own eyes looking at my notebook or my hands or the other people in the room I realized I was no longer staring at the world through a screen. Even Apple's crisp 23 million pixels can't replace standard vision. And I thought that was really powerful because that's the God created a magnificent human body. And what what our bodies, our own natural God-given eyes can do and see, we all just take for granted because everybody can do it. And it's just such a part of our natural life. But when you try and replace that and change reality, I think that's probably one of the biggest concerns for me is what happens to a society that no longer likes the natural God-given human design and has to change it all through this mixed reality, through this constant visioning or mixed reality, as they say. And it's probably a slow progression down the road to that point where people are okay with it. Because if you think about when the iPhone originally came out, is it was popular. It had a whole lot of features, but people weren't tethered to it. Yeah. You had it. It could do some things. It went back in your pocket. It was primarily a phone. And that was it. There were very few apps for it. Yeah, it's true. And you could only run one app at a time and all the other apps had to be closed. So it was very limited in what it could do. It wasn't until about five years in, right, several generations that the teenagers got their hands on it, that it changed. Do you think that it's going to be the same way? Yes. And I think we're going to move in that same progression where as these develop, as these get more popular, as the technology improves, People are going to go from, this feels weird, and I don't want to wear these all the time, 
because it feels weird to acclimating to it then they as they get used to it they'll wear them more often and then as teens are wearing them more often uh it's going to drive yeah. more people to get into that technology to the point where we started off just looking at the phones every now and then to make a phone call now we're on our phone 6 to 10 hours a day right well these are going to start well you might be on it for 30 minutes to an hour or two to are you wearing these all day long wow Okay, Ryan, before we get into, because I'm really itching to kind of get into these implications, go over quickly, like just how the actual device works and its major features. Okay. So again, you it's a headset that you wear on your head and you're looking at two screens, which overlays your world as you would see it, but through cameras, but it's very close to looking real. However, now we can augment that. And this is the augmented reality portion of it. So if you want to watch a movie, you can pull up your movie player and it will create a movie screen in front of you as if it's in the room, but it's not actually in the room. So it's just a virtual movie screen that allows you to watch a movie directly in front of you. And you can move that screen closer to you further away. You can make it bigger or smaller. Um, and you can just watch it in your own personal movie theater. You can make it essentially like the size of an IMAX yeah. type of. Absolutely. Huge. You can make yeah. it a hundred feet across or you can make it a foot across. You can make it the size of a phone if you wanted to, whatever size you want it. You can open up windows. So, or I should say like browser tabs and not necessarily windows that allow you to see one website on one screen that's off to the side in your peripheral vision. But to you, it looks like it's in your peripheral vision, but it's just on that screen. But you would never know it because it's immersive. This environment is 100% immersive where you can't, unlike other virtual reality headsets out there, the way that the lens is developed, you can't see anything other than that screen. So your peripheral vision, you see the screen. Your straight on vision, you see the screen. So there's no looking out the corner of your eyes and saying, yeah, I've got headsets on. No, it's 100% immersive. So you can open up uh, browser tabs and you could browse the internet off to the side while watching a movie in front of you while having um, Microsoft Word or Excel, because even those are integrated off to another side. So I think the best way to describe it based on the video that I saw, it's like if you watched Iron Man, that's the movie I think of immediately, and Tony Stark is navigating all these floating screens in the air and he's touching them and moving them and he's making all these decisions or doing whatever. That's essentially what it is. It's like these floating screens that with your hands, you're navigating. Yes. Or floating uh, people or floating windows or anything that's, yeah. anything that you can imagine you can put out there in front of you. So all of those movies where they're working in 3D space and moving objects and models and even going all the way back to Star Wars where they had the little people who would show up on the communicators and you could yeah. see a picture of them, uh, you could create that with these and it would look just the same. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. So basically that Tony Stark-like environment where you can manipulate things around you that are digital don't really exist there, but they feel like they're really there for you. Okay. So we can watch movies. We can watch sports. We can play video games. Anything that you would normally do on a screen, you can look at pictures, videos, YouTube, you know, all of those things. So I say we already have an, an, an entertainment overload problem. What is this going to look like? The, the, that's my concern. Is, if, is it going to feel even better 
to be watching these videos, to be watching these movies, the sort of dopamine overload, the just entertainment, pleasure seeking, is that just going to get exponentially worse? Yes. The easy answer, yes. The easy answer, yes. Not only that, but this could revolutionize experiences. So you don't need to go to the movie theater anymore because you could have a movie theater size screen right in front of you. And since it's a 3D immersive environment, they actually have a app on there that allows you to be in your own movie theater. So it looks kind of like a theater room with a big screen on the front and it feels realistic. It looks realistic, but you're just sitting in your living room in your chair on your couch. So Netflix put Blockbuster out of business and the Apple Vision Pro could very well put movie theaters out of business. There's definitely the possibility. Now, granted, that's a while down the road. Just like with Netflix, it was a while down the road before it put Blockbuster out, but it is possible. It has the potential to revolutionize any of those events where you're around a lot of people watching something like concerts. Okay. So we had this conversation on right after I watched the video, you had said, oh, just imagine if you went to a, you could see a concert. Like, why would you go to a concert when you could have a front row seat through the Apple Vision Pro and see your favorite performer? And I said, because you go with friends, right? You would miss the experience of gathering together, getting ready together. At least this would be a girl's experience. And you drive there and you get some dinner beforehand and you park and you're talking and you're waiting for an hour beforehand and the experience of singing along to the songs. That's together. That's like real life on life experiences with your friends. If you could see the same concert, yes, check it off the list. I saw, you know, Taylor Swift Eras Tour. But what are you missing out on relationships? Ultimately, right, that's what God created us for was to be in relationships. And I think that, you know, 15 years into the smartphone, we have come to realize that isolation is a big deal and that being completely immersed into our smartphones and YouTube on our computer and video games on the console, even though you can connect with people in all those spaces, it's not the same as being in real life relationships. No, it's not. And it's very similar with the Apple Vision Pro as well, where Apple does a good job marketing it as immersive, but relational in that if someone walks up close to you while you have them on, they actually show up in your immersive environment. And then when they walk away, they disappear from your immersive environment. And then also with the goggles themselves, since your eyes are blocked, they actually created a screen on the outside of the goggles that shows a 3D representation of your face underneath the goggles so that the person can see what your eyes look like behind the screen. It looks realistic. It does look realistic, but now that I know that, it looks creepy. <laughs> yes, I would agree. It, I you think it look- is creepy, but it does look realistic. But yeah, if you watch thing- that in the video, you can you can look for that specific part. They have like it looks like a mom is on the couch and then a daughter walks in and they're showing you how the mom can just immediately look up to to the daughter, respond to her, makes it feel like it's completely normal. You know, I'm not isolated in my 
spatial computing world. You know, I can still interact with other people in the room. But now that I know that those aren't her real eyes, that's just a, <laughs> just a screen. Right. And where that technology goes is going to be interesting as well. Because right now, and again, this all goes back to Apple knows that it's a problem. And that's why they're trying to address it by saying, oh, look, this is still relational. But it's not the same thing. It kind of is like a quasi-relational that's going to always leave people wanting more, feel them lacking, like they don't have the actual relationships they want. Right. Because right now, yes, when someone comes into your field of view and you look at them, since it's got a camera mapping your eye positions, then as you look up at them, it shows the in the screen your eyes moving up and looking at them as if it's actually your eyes. So. Th- what they see is a representation of what is really happening in the background. Now, how long until that's not the case, where you have an app or a function on there that says, hey, when someone's talking to me, show my eyes looking at oh, them, wow. even though I'm still looking at a screen on the other side of my field of vision that I'm focusing yeah. on, make it look like I'm paying attention to them. Yeah, which I can totally see teenagers doing oh, with absolutely. their parents. I mean, that would be hands down exactly what would happen. Okay. So speaking of teenagers and having these headsets, as we get down the road and every family member maybe has one, I really, this concerns me in the sense of, I mentioned it before, just general relationships, but I see this sort of being a demise of the family. How easy would it be to just disconnect from the people that you are supposed to, that you need to be in the deepest relationships with and to just put this headset on and say that you're working or you're doing this because no one else can see what you see. You can say you're working, but no one knows what you're actually doing. Yes. There's no way to look over someone's shoulder. There's no way to see what's going on. They could, and since you have unlimited computer screens in this virtual world. So if you want to have one a uh, window watching a movie, another window with work on it, another window with your browser, you can have all this going at the same time. So you could have divided attention between all of these different things. And none of that attention is on what's actually going on around you. And there's no accountability. I, that's immediately what I think of. And then if I can just draw that out even further is say you have say we're five, 10 years on the road and teenagers have this, parents have this. If teenagers are in this reality, what's to say they're going to grow up and have romantic relationships and get married? I mean, who's to not to say that this other reality, this mixed reality, that they couldn't have some AI avatar because that's already there that you can talk to and be friends with and you never fight with and (laughs) sort of gives you some sort of virtual companionship. I don't know, if I take this all the way out, it makes me fear for all of society, the demise of the family. Well, not just families and relationships as far as going out and meeting people and being married, but just going out in general. Because if you can sit in a room with bare walls, bare floor, nothing around you, but create a 3D realistic immersive environment that makes it look like you're on the beach or in a ski chalet somewhere in Switzerland or wherever you want to be, outer space if you want to be, you can create this 3D immersive environment that looks completely real. 
And then, yes, have NPCs, basically non-player characters that are AI generated that are using our communicative AI, like ChatGPT, to hold conversations with you. You don't have to be in relationships with anybody. But of course, there's always a time where the headset has to come off. And what a difficult balance that's going to be when you take off your headset after 10 hours of being in there and all of a sudden you're in a, maybe you live in New York and you're a 400 square foot apartment with no furniture, you know, but a mattress on the floor because that's all that you need because everything else is, is in your augmented virtual world. How depressing. Like that's the pleasure that you get during those hours with the headset on, even if you're doing a job, even if you're doing all this kind of stuff, there's a point where it's going to come crashing and you can't, your emotional state, just like we're experiencing right now with so much anxiety, depression, loneliness, hopelessness is not going to change. And that's the exact point right there is we're already on that road. We're already seeing that just with smartphone usage and device usage, the isolation, the depression, the anxiety. We're already on that road. This just has the potential to move us much faster down that road. You are going to see, you're absolutely right. After being in that for 10 hours a day, when you take them off, you're not going to want to go back to reality because your spatial computing, your mixed reality world is going to be better. It's going to be better. Yeah. And that's just not how God designed us. And I think that's where my concern eventually, and maybe that's in our lifetime and maybe it doesn't advance that fast, but we were created to live on this earth for and fulfill purposes. And that may just can be completely lost. And maybe, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's just the sign of the end times of when we do lose the whole sense of reality and where we're not even enjoying the earth and the fruit and all of the things that God has given us to enjoy because everything that we can make up inside of our head that we think is better is where we're at and what it is that we're enjoying. So, okay, I'm going to jump here because this is another huge, huge concern that I have. I remember years ago when I started Brave Parenting, seeing and reading how much the porn industry drives technology. And so I think of this headset and I immediately think, oh no, people are going, people could watch pornography inside this headset and it's going to feel more real. I can't fathom what this would be like if porn is accessible in everybody's headset at all times. That is probably the biggest concern right there. And it's a big concern and it's a very real concern because you're right, is the adoption of technology is often driven by the porn industry. And this goes all the way back to VCR. Way back in the 80s, if you wanted to watch a porn movie, you had to go to a porn movie theater. And going to that, it was shameful and it had stigma, and so very few people did that. Or if you wanted to get a magazine, you had to go to a store, and it was always behind the counter, that sort back in the 80s. Well, when the VCR came out, well, that made it more personal, where you, instead of having to go to a theater, you could just go to the movie video store and then just bring them home and watch them in the privacy of your home as well. Then progressing, when the internet came out, and... Now with the smartphone, you've now got it in your pocket all of the time. 
And so that's the absolute real concern with this as well is because it's an immersive environment and the implications of that and the possibilities of what you could do with that in that industry is truly disturbing to the point where young people today with the concerns they have, the depression they have, the anxiety they have, the relational issues they have, it might be so much easier instead of going out and developing real relationships, just stay home and watch immersive three-dimensional porn. Yeah, well, I pray that the Lord intervenes somehow and it doesn't go to that extent, but I think it's something that we all need to be aware of, that we've seen the progression of online or from video to online porn, and this would theoretically be the next step, which honestly, if there's any takeaway, it's if you haven't talked to your children about porn and the dangers of that, and if you're not promoting them to get out and be in real life relationships, it's so important because when they do grow up and if they do have children, they need to do the same because as this technology develops, we as Christians really need to be mindful and intentional about keeping us all in reality, joining together, not neglecting to meet together as though some are doing, which is right now that comes from Hebrews 10, but continuing to meet together, raising, discipling our kids to know, yes, there is this technology, there is these abilities, and this is where it could go. But, right, God's word says that we are made to be in relationships. And we prioritize that now. And when we do that as adults, our children will do that. And then it can carry on. And, you know, there will be a remnant. There'll be a remnant of Christians who are still in reality. Okay, right. So as we finish up this podcast, is there any other concerns or implications that you noted researching the Apple Vision Pro? I think the biggest implication, problem, concern next to porn on the Apple Vision Pro is going to be the privacy concerns, the amount of data that can be collected on these devices. Because the the way that it works is it's always tracking your eye position. So the cameras inside the goggles are always tracking your eye movements. They're always seeing what you look at. So if you open up a browser window in the Apple Vision Pro, it knows what part of the screen you're looking at. It knows what content you're looking at. It knows what objects are around you that you're looking at. It even knows the objects that you have in your house because you know the technology is there where it can already identify what those objects are to know probably even down to the brand level. If it's not there yet, it will get there. So the question is, what's happening with all this data that's being collected? I think the question is, how much do we trust Apple? Yes. And that is a big question. Now, Apple does draw some very distinct lines and does have some privacy features built into it. So for example, if you are browsing a website and it's tracking your eye, there's actually a separate layer in the glasses for eye tracking versus the actual browser window you're looking at itself. So the app that you may be using or the uh, website you may be visiting, they don't get that data as far as where your eye is looking. They only receive input from you when you click. And with the goggles, what that means is pinching your fingers together on something that's in that app or on that website. Now, the thing is, though, Apple was very specific with their language. And they said 
that the website, the app, does not get that information. They never said whether or not they collect that information and what they do with it. So it's very possible that Apple could be tracking everything that you look at. So, wow. So say I'm looking at a website and there is a banner ad. If my eyes go to that ad, what you're saying is that website is not going to know that my eyes went to that, but Apple will know that I, that I was hovering and reading and exam, whatever, thinking about clicking on maybe that, that ad. So if Apple can identify what that ad was, it now knows that's something you're interested in. So yeah, at the end of the day, the question is how much do we tr- trust Apple? Do we, do we trust them with all of this data? As of right now, they've been fairly trustworthy with how much information they have on, from our smartphones. I would say that a lot of the other platforms have definitely exploited a little bit more some of the data they've collected, but I feel like they still have it all. And at what point does a CEO become in charge who is corrupt and sin reigns? What could happen with all of that data? Yes. And Apple does have a better record than many other providers out there as far as privacy and security and protecting your information and storing a lot of that information locally on the devices. And it looks like there's a lot of that is the same with the Apple Vision Pro. But with all technology, that's how it's designed. That's how it's intended. But at some point, if someone got a hold of your Apple Vision Pro or if someone was able to hack into it in some way, all that could be compromised. Wow. Yeah. And I think as well okay so they've got some of the same security features that your smartphone has are they going to have parental controls like what's what's to stop you know a teenager who has an apple vision pro from being on it all day long maybe while you're at work eight ten hours you know are there going to be time limits on there i'm just kind of curious maybe not the beginning but i would imagine just like the smartphone maybe some of those screen time features Right. Apple didn't mention any of that at their developer conference. However, it's possible that could be down the road because most your Mac OS, as well as your iPhones, they all have some sort of parental controls built in or screen time or some other features built in that do give you some control. So my guess is this will be the same, but that might be the third, fourth, fifth generation down the road. That might not be right right from the beginning. Right. So bottom line Are you going to buy one? Well, right now, the price point on these for their release is $3,500 a pair. No, I won't be. Uh, I think the technology is absolutely amazing. The level of computing hardware in there, the possibilities of it, I think are going to or have the potential to be technology changing on a worldwide level. So I'm curious to see where it goes. I would absolutely love a pair, but at that price point, I think most people are still going to wait for the early adopters to get their $3,500 copy of them, use them, see how the mistakes, issues, problems are with them. And then in a year or two from then, when they release their more consumer version product, that's when most people will probably start buying them. When I think about how this could be used to advance the gospel or the, just doing kingdom work, I struggle to think of, of ways. It really feels like potentially a way to be more productive, 
uh, but definitely more of a way to be entertained or to change your reality when it comes down to it. If I thought about what I do on my computer, if I'm working on classwork for my master's program, or if I'm doing research for Brave Parenting, I can see how maybe having some screens in front of me would make me a little bit more productive. But overall, I can't see connecting with people in a way through this spatial computing in a way that's better than I'm connecting now. I can't envision a way of, of doing that and sharing the gospel with people from around the world any different than we already have right now. So I think it is really important to remember that as far as our work and sharing the gospel and being good stewards of what we've been given, it really, it's going to take uh, for Christians, it may mean not adopting or adopting very slowly to this. I think it'll be very similar to the iPhone, where it's kind of neutral technology in and of itself. It's not good. It's not bad. It depends on how you use it. And I see it in terms of there probably is going to be some sort of biblical benefit here. Just like with the iPhone, you now have the Bible apps and you can now uh, podcast, get podcasts uh, like this or get podcasts like the Bible Thinker or other ways where you can hear a biblical positive message or read a bit of biblical positive message. I think that same opportunity is available with the Apple Vision Pro. But when you weigh that and you contrast that with the potential downsides and the potential risks, you have to ask yourself, is this a good direction that society is going? Yes, it's exciting. Yes, it's interesting. Yes, I want to be a part of it. But is this really a positive direction that we're going? Right. I think that at the end, I, I think of any of the dystopian sci-fi type of movies that we see, I just think of everybody who adopts whatever it is, you know, they're sort of the, the robots in the Matrix. They're the ones, what is it, in 1984, they're all taking Soma and they're all drugged. There's always a group. There's always a small portion or a, a remnant of people who resist, no matter what story it is. And I just pray that that's Christians. I pray that we're the ones holding out in relationship, sharing the gospel, and doing what we can until the very last days. That's really the bottom line. So, all right, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your insight, wisdom, and excitement. All right, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in to the Brave Parenting Podcast. It's still summertime, still time to get your RO. If you have not done so already, it is a great way to quantify and compete for off-screen time. Right now, it's on our phones. Maybe in the future, there'll be an RO box for the Apple Vision Pro. But right now, so important to spend that time with your family. So get your RO box and sign up for it. You can do that at goro.com forward slash brave and use promo code brave to get your first month subscription for free. That's goro.com forward slash brave, promo code brave. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. Until next week, go and be brave.